as of Thursday, June 4th, 2020, the number one searched term on Google is the word boogaloo. And to understand what this word means, you need not look in a dictionary for it will tell you that boogaloo is just simply a modern dance. But to understand why people are searching for the word boogaloo more than any other term, you actually have to go to Urban Dictionary and they spell it out very easily. The boogaloo, civil war. That's it. A couple of years ago, there was an, uh, an article, I believe it was in the New York Mag, might have been the Atlantic, where they said they interviewed several global security experts. They gave a relatively high probabilities chance of a civil war happening in this country. And you can see it right here. Civil war does not only pertain to war with the government, but also to political sides. Which brings me to the actual story for today. Senator Tom Cotton wrote an op-ed for the New York Times. Send in the troops. The nation must restore order. The military stands ready. And this sparked a very serious controversy. Many people in media were outraged that the New York Times would publish an op-ed saying send in the troops, invoke the Insurrection Act, and have the army stop the rioting. The reason they were upset, they said that it would harm black individuals, notably those who worked for the New York Times, which I find particularly strange. Are the people who work for the New York Times going out and rioting? They might be. I doubt it. But we did see that story about the two lawyers who went out and tried, I guess, throwing Molotovs and got arrested. So maybe there really are people who work for the New York Times who are engaging in civil unrest or insurrection. But I doubt it. What's strange to me in all this controversy is that Tom Cotton is talking about the widespread looting, the apolitical, the conflict, the crisis that has nothing to do with the protests. In fact, in the article, he does talk about politically motivated instances where the army has stepped in. But I think for the most part, he's talking about the rioting. Who's defending the rioting? Is that what these journalists are doing in mass? The New York Times, as they tweet that this is dangerous and they revolt against their own company. This to me is evidence, in my opinion, that we really are heading towards civil war. Not that I want it to happen. I certainly don't. Blessed were those days that of, of, of yesterday where we got to sit around complaining about stupid nonsense and eating pizza and ordering wings. And it was all just fun and games until things started to get serious and we were faced with a real crisis. Now, a senator wants Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act and send in the military. At the same time, we have William Barr, who says he actually has evidence that Antifa is hijacking the protests. And this very well may be. We do have some evidence kind of debunking some of the other uh, widespread theories about bricks and what was going on with these protests where bricks were piling up. And I want to show you this. But first, I think what we need to do is take a look at what Tom Cotton wants to happen. I will, however, make sure to point out the latest expose from Project Veritas after they infiltrated Antifa and what I think may happen. Now, you may not care that New York Times journalists are revolting against their leadership, essentially by saying they shouldn't have published this, but it really does matter because you need to understand what Tom Cotton is saying. And I'm going to read this for you. It sounds like he's saying stop riots, not protests. But the journalists are saying, no, it's bad. Almost as though they conflate the two as the same thing. In which case, I mean, it's fair to say there are many people who view the riots as justified and do not want them stopped. Where does that leave us? I guess This is why most people are searching for the words boogaloo. Some of the other top searches that were, uh, this was posted uh, by, uh, I'm not going to say, well, some people were searching for certain terms. 
this past week about what to do in the event of martial law, what to do in the event of civil war, and what does Boogaloo mean? And here we are, number one, with over 100,000 searches for today, Boogaloo. Let's read the story from the New York Times. But before we do, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. I don't have the marketing budget to compete with CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC as they riddle the internet with ads and get propped up by YouTube's algorithm. So by you sharing it, you really are the most powerful form of marketing, as it were. If you think I do a good job, you think I'm better than they are, then it's it's word of mouth. I gotta be honest, if we really are headed towards a boogaloo, and that seems to be what people are thinking, then uh, I'm not sure any of this will matter in the long run. And you do you. You do you. If you just want to watch, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit the like, uh, like button as well. And let's read from the New York Times. The nation must restore order. The military stands ready. Tom Cotton writes, this week, rioters have plunged many American cities into anarchy, recalling the widespread violence of the 1960s. New York suffered the worst of the riots Monday night as Mayor Bill de Blasio stood by while Midtown Manhattan descended into lawlessness. Bands of looters roved the streets, smashing and emptying hundreds of businesses. Some even drove exotic cars. The riots were carnivals for the thrill-seeking rich, as well as other criminal elements. Outnumbered police officers, encumbered by feckless politicians, bore the brunt of the violence. In New York State, rioters ran over officers with cars on at least three occasions. In Las Vegas, an officer is in grave condition after being shot in the head by a rioter. In St. Louis, four police officers were shot as they attempted to disperse a mob, throwing bricks and dumping gasoline. In a separate incident, a 77-year-old retired police captain was shot to death as he tried to stop looters from ransacking a pawn shop. This is, quote, somebody's granddaddy, a bystander screams at the scene. Some elites have excused this orgy of violence in the spirit of radical chic, calling it an understandable response to the wrongful death of George Floyd. Those excuses are built on a revolting moral equivalence of rioters and looters to peaceful law-abiding protesters. A majority who seek to protest peacefully shouldn't be confused with bands of miscreants. And you know what? As I love to cite it, there's a video showing peaceful protesters stopping a radical who's smashing up the street. For whatever reason, they grab the man and they turn him over to the police. There are videos of peaceful protesters hugging police officers and crying There are videos of police officers taking a knee and celebrating the protesters and even marching with them. Those are the peaceful protests we absolutely must protect, where the communities come together, where people share tears and embrace each other. But these, what we're talking about, are violent riots and looting. Now, I'm not sure the military is the right option because the National Guard is capable as well. I don't know if things are going to simmer down. They may be. So maybe this is ill-timed, to say the least. But what's shocking to me is even though Tom Cotton expressly says we are not talking about peaceful protesters here, that's what people try to draw an equivalence to. He says, the rioting has nothing to do with George Floyd, whose bereaved relatives have condemned violence. On the contrary, nihilist criminals are simply out for loot and the thrill of destruction, with cadres of left-wing radicals like Antifa infiltrating protest marches to exploit Floyd's death for their own anarchic purposes, let me stop you right there, Mr. Cotton. They're not anarchists. They may claim to be, they may, they may pretend to be, but they tend to be revolutionary communists. I know I hate the communist word, but that's really what they are. It's, it's, it's the best explanation. These rioters, if not subdued, will uh, not subdued, not only will destroy the livelihoods of law-abiding citizens, 
but will also take more innocent lives. Many poor communities that still bear scars from past upheavals will be set back further. One thing above all else will restore order to our streets, an overwhelming show of force to disperse, detain, and ultimately deter lawbreakers. But local law enforcement in some cities desperately needs backup, while delusional politicians in other cities refuse to do what's necessary to uphold the rule of law. The pace of looting and disorder may fluctuate from night to night, but it's past time to support local law enforcement with federal authority. Some governors have mobilized the National Guard, yet others refuse. And in some cases, the rioters still outnumber the police and guard combined. In in these circumstances, the Insurrection Act authorizes the president to employ the military or any other means in cases of insurrection or obstruction to the laws. The venerable law, nearly as old as our republic itself, doesn't amount to martial law or the end of democracy as some excitable critics, ignorant of both the law and our history, have comically suggested. In fact, the federal government has a constitutional duty to the states to protect each of them from domestic violence. Throughout our history, presidents have exercised this authority on dozens of occasions to protect law-abiding citizens from disorder. Nor does it violate the Posse Comitatus Act, which constrains the military's role in law enforcement, but expressly accepts statutes such as the Insurrection Act. He goes on to make some historical references, but concludes, the American people aren't blind to injustice in our society, but they know that the most basic responsibility of government is to maintain public order and safety. In normal times, local law enforcement can uphold public order, but in rare moments like ours today, more is needed, even if many politicians prefer to wring their hands while the country, uh, while the country burns. The New York Times has been heavily criticized, and we will, we will get to the criticism. But I want to talk to you about the extremism and the threat of what may come. I don't know if a military response is the appropriate response, but I can say that the factions that are feuding with each other stem from the highest levels of our government, from Democrat to Republican, from Trump to Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, who really, really conflict with each other and continually accuse each other of wrongdoing. But it goes all the way down to the base level, the street conflict. And this is likely why you are hearing the phrase boogaloo. Isn't it so silly? This is how history will look back upon us. We are truly a lost generation, aren't we? They're going to say in the, the, the late two th- or in the early 2000s in 2020, what did we see? A, a reference to an 80s movie became the word of choice to represent the coming civil war. Perhaps a military response could actually stop things. I don't know. I don't like that idea because I've seen what happens when country uh, when countries invoke military power to stop conflict. You do not want to know what happens in these countries. Let's just say loss of life is an understatement. When the political system begins to fail, notably in Egypt, the military steps in and then you have martial law. And I assure you, all of these people on the left, they will not be enjoying it. Well, you do have far left extremists who are exacerbating the problem, trying to make it worse accelerationists, as it were. These are people who want things to get worse faster and faster and faster so that our way of life, the standard American way of life falls to the gutter. Then they will be able to use that conflict to shape the world in their image. That's what they think. They think that the only way to actually rebuild their utopia is to tear down the old world. And thus you get Antifa infiltrating these events to accelerate. Here's the story from the New York Post. William Barr claims he has evidence Antifa is hijacking George Floyd protests. The Post reports federal law enforcement has evidence that extremist groups, just Antifa, are hijacking nationwide protests over the death of George Floyd, according to William Barr, attorney general. 
Barr said he understood most protesters were peaceful demonstrators, but that his Justice Department had seen, has since found evidence that extremist agitators were hijacking protests to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. Quote, we have evidence that Antifa and other similar extremist groups, as well as actors of a variety of different political persuasions, have been involved in instigating and participating in the violent activity. Barr said at a press conference, President Trump last week said he would designate Antifa, a shadowy far left radical group, as a terror organization and blamed the group for inciting looting and burning businesses as protests over Floyd's death at the hands of Minnesota police have engulfed the nation in violence, looting and civil unrest. The nation's top law enforcement official said the feds had made 51 arrests in connection with violent rioting and called on state and local leaders to work with the National Guard. Barr did not address questions over his leadership, including the decision to clear protesters outside the White House on Monday evening, which the White House said came at his direction. FBI Director Christopher Wray also singled out Antifa and other agitators, who he said, quote, set out to sow discord and upheaval rather than join in the righteous pursuit of equality and justice. We've directed our 200 joint terror task force around the country to assist law enforcement with apprehending and charging violent agitators who are hijacking peaceful protests on a national level. Ray said the FBI had also been working hard to identify and prevent hate crimes and, and to investigate abuses of power and authority. Now, the one thing I really want to address before we move on to what's going on with Antifa is this story. Bricks in Frisco, Texas left for construction, not protest. This is apparently confirmed, the Associated Press says, ahead of Monday's protests in Frisco. Social media users began circulating photos of a stack of bricks to suggest they were placed there for protesters. All of a sudden, this shows up on a path of the protest. One post with more than 1,600 shares said, you want to tell me this is not planned and organized? How? Well, they basically said it was part of a pre-planned construction. The protest route was planned to start, yada, yada, yada. All right, so we, we, we get the point. They say the package of uh, the block of bricks located on the corner of Fisher Road was about a 10 minute walk from where the protesters would be marching. Marching, They were left there for a homeowners association construction project, he said. This is just one instance, but I, I do think it's very important to point out that in some of these instances where we've seen bricks, they've been wrong. There was a photo of a cage full of bricks. Apparently that was a barrier. This here they're saying was part of a homeowners association uh, construction project. They're not all confirmed, but I will tell you this. To me, we have seen evidence that Antifa was giving out bricks, and maybe that was just some dumb kids who saw this and, and took after it. It's also possible a lot of these were just coincidence, happenstance. But it also does fall in line with tactics I've seen from Antifa before. Now, they've made the joke where they're like, oh, yes, I'll just call Lowe's and tell them to drop off a stack of bricks randomly. No, they, they pick them up and they grab them off. But we don't know where the bricks come from. That's, that's, that's absolutely important to, to say. And a lot of people believe that it is a setup. Now it seems like some of these are absolutely not. But let's talk about Antifa. A lot of people have been bringing this up lately. I've seen these propaganda posts going around defending them. And it really does hit all of the great points, arguing all of these things that Antifa tries to claim. They're not really an organization. There's no leaders, that there's no funding, there's no meetings, there's no membership. All of these are 100% false. And they misrepresent what is actually happening with the idea of what Antifa is. They say Antifa just means anti-fascist. Technically true, that's where the name is derived from, but it's actually derived from anti-fascista action, which is associated with the Communist Party of Germany, which lost. Their, 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 their st statement of Antifa wasn't literally about all fascism is, fascism is bad. It was about opposing the rival political party to which they lost and they would engage in, in conflict with. What we see now 
is a militant far left extremist group that operates with individual cells and membership and guiding principles. They tend to believe in very similar things. They use the same symbols. They, they have the same tattoos. They use the same tactics. Some of the names of these organizations are very different, but they do have branded cells with membership as we are now definitively seeing with James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. In the latest expose from Veritas, they infiltrated NYC Antifa. And <laughs> I'm not going to read what these quotes are, but let me just say, they specifically told the individual, reframe the idea of self-defense as not simply you're being acted upon by an aggressor. Now, I think it's fair to point out in this video from James O'Keefe, you're witnessing what is very likely legal speech and legal self-defense training. But it does show you that political extremists are organized in a building and undergoing training. This is why the U.S. government is reticent to label these people as actual terrorists, because they have free speech rights to express their ideas. They are legally allowed to engage in self-defense. The line is when they actually break the law. Now, what they will tell you in response to Trump and Bill Barr is they will pass around this propaganda about how they're not really a group and there's no Antifa. And I see a lot of people that actually thought I, you know, I, I, I had respect for and now calling a question because they're posting these stupid jokes saying things like, oh, how do I join? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the leader? Who do I call? And I'm sitting here thinking there are leaders. I know many of their names. I know what, what they do. I know their plans. I know their tactics. Why? Well, I've been covering this for about a decade. I know some of these people. They personally were friends with me on Facebook and they've, and they've gone nuts in the past several years. Some of the people I knew from Occupy Wall Street, and I can name many of them. Well, now we can see another example of, yes, there is an organization, Rose City Antifa, one of the most notorious organizations in the country. They're quite literally a branded cell with membership where if you want to join, you must contact their formal leadership and undergo a vetting process as exposed by Project Veritas. So when people say that it just it's an idea, not a group, please tell me why an idea has a as a brand name flies the same banner as the other cells, has a leader, has funding and literally has branded merchandise. Well, that's the my favorite part. You can get your official sweater branded with the logo. Uh -huh. This is what we can see from Project Veritas. Here's a quote. Depending on the setting, if I were to be caught or found out in a setting where I am present with them, it could escalate to violence against me. Project Veritas does not condone any violence whatsoever. It is a sad time in our nation's history with Antifa activists hijacking Black Lives Matter protests in cities across the country, attacking the police and engaging in violence. That's according to James O'Keefe. According to one document telling people how to form their own Antifa cell, they specifically say, try and infiltrate Black Lives Matter. There's a video from Black Lives Matter activists complaining that far leftists are taking over. What, and, and, and because of this, they're quitting. And now Bill Barr says he's got evidence. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. He said he did. It doesn't matter. There is a formal organization, not one, not a parent, but there is an ideology for which you can fly the flag. And you know when you do that, if you have an event happening in, a, in an area where you live, you can contact your partner cells, your sister cells, and they will bolster your ranks. And know that you can argue that when these things happen, there's no one leader telling everyone to march and leading the charge on horseback. These tactics are designed specifically to bypass federal law enforcement. I know because I've sat in the meetings during Occupy Wall Street and I've heard exactly why they do what they do. 
One of the first rules they taught during Occupy was not to have any identifiable formal formal leaders that could be targeted in public and smeared. Now, the government knows who's in charge because there always will be a hierarchy. Someone's got the money. Someone controls it. Someone makes decisions. Sometimes it's more than one person. Typically, it is more than one person. But publicly, there won't be a name. There won't be a leader on purpose. Because if you have a leader, the tactics used against you aren't just to arrest you, but to smear you in the press and make you look bad and and, and turn you into something that makes it harder for you to organize. By avoiding this and claiming there is no group in the public, they make it very difficult for federal law enforcement to actually target this group. One of the most important tactics of Antifa is to make sure many people don't understand what their cell organizations do. Thus, you will see regular people posting Antifa propaganda where they proclaim they too are Antifa, even though they have nothing to do with these extremists. They don't engage in any of these, uh, uh, these, 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 uh, these riots. And it's essentially an I am Spartacus kind of idea. Instead of having people choose to stand up and say, I am Spartacus, so they can't tell who, who really is Spartacus, they trick people into all flying the banner. That way, when the government actually targets someone who breaks the law, what do they say? They say they're just going after people who oppose fascism. It is a trick. If you see prosecution of Antifa, it will probably be be related to specific activities, transfer of funds, material support tied to an extremist ideology. There have been bottles of gasoline found around various cities. We can argue not all of the bricks were planted, and that's, a, that's an important point. Fact check says some of them were just normal bricks. What about the bottles of gasoline? We, this is another tactic they use. And the, and, and the authorities have said they have found them, Minneapolis particularly. This is a tactic. It is politically motivated. These people are engaging in extremist acts. And if they do, then they will get prosecuted. If a normal person engages in an assault, well, they'll get charged with an assault. If a person engages in an assault because they're targeting someone of a race or or some kind of identity, it gets upgraded to a hate crime. I imagine this will work in much the same way. If someone engages in some kind of rioting activity, they will get charged with rioting, looting, trespass, breaking an entry or whatever. If you add on an extremist ideology, they upgrade it to a terror charge of some sort. That's what is likely to happen moving forward. This organization is disorganized to say the least. But at the cellular level, at the local towns, NYC, Rose City, they go by many other names. They have groups, they have leaders, they have funding, and they do engage in this behavior. Now, what will truly spark a boogaloo? I really don't know. We've seen the chairman of the Joint Chiefs tell uh, tells troops to uphold the Constitution, defying Trump, slamming him as a Nazi. Jim Mattis, former generals calling out the president from the highest levels. We are seeing the rift and the split. And I know people will take their sides. Ranks are forming for the worst. This is not good. You will not like it. You will not be happy about it. Regular people will regret it the day it, 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 it escalates to that point. You will, you, will, you will cry in fear. And it's going to be one of the most horrific days you'll ever, ever experience. And you can only pray it doesn't happen. And I'm, I will warn each and every one of you right now, these people who are calling for a boogaloo, they don't really know what's to come. And they think they're playing a game the same as the Antifa types. They, 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 don't, they don't realize they haven't actually seen this. Maybe some of them have, because a lot of these people have traveled around the globe. I know I've seen it and I know you will regret it the day it happens and you will, you will, you will cry and beg for another chance. It won't come because truly the darkest days lie ahead if we can't steer clear of this.
But with Hillary Clinton accusing Trump, with Trump accusing Obama, with the politicians accusing each other, with people on YouTube accusing each other, myself included, I'm a part of this game, same as anybody. It will really come down to something nasty. And you don't want to be there for it, but, but it's coming. I don't know what else you can expect. You know, they're, uh, the New York Times is being slammed by their writers. They're saying that it's threatening black lives. And this is the final point I'll make. When the, when the writers of the New York Times are revolting against their own leadership over something as simple as an idea, publishing an idea, a thought, then realize that these, these famed institutions of free speech and, and journalism and, and, and intelligent thought, to say the least, of real debate, they're gone. They're gone. I know why the New York Times published Send in the Troops. They did it because it is a senator of this country making that point. The New York Times doesn't agree with it. Their editorial board actually disagreed with it. In fact, the New York Times actually published something from the Taliban. And where were all of these journalists who condemn this? They did not care. Conservatives called it out. And the New York Times made the same point. We publish things from bad people. Today, the left is more concerned that they're calling out the rioters. Where does it leave us? If businesses are being destroyed by riots that have nothing to do with these protests, and a senator says, shut it down, and writers for the same company revolt in support of the riots? I hope there's no boogaloo, man. But I said, I said it before that I think that's where we're headed. And I still think so. But I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Stick around. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews is my other channel, and I'll see you all then. In a video that is going viral, we see a young woman being arrested for what looks like the first time in her life. And because of this, she seems to be having some kind of panic attack where she huffs and puffs and she's freaking out, hyperventilating. She is a Black Lives Matter activist who appears to be arrested for violating curfew amid the ongoing riots. Now, I want to be I want to say this. I mean, no disrespect to this young woman. I think we as adults and as experienced individuals need to recognize that young people don't get it. You know, when I see a toddler fall over, bump their leg and cry, you know, sometimes people want to laugh at this. But no, look, man, it's a learning experience for all of us. We're all young. We all grow up. We all experience stuff for the first time. And so I see this video and I laugh and I roll my eyes. But I'm not laughing because I have uh, disrespect for this young woman and her friends, though they do say some outrageously dumb things while they're getting arrested. And that's what we're going to focus on. I'm glad they got to experience the real world for once. Now, here's what I tweeted. Funny how quickly these children buckle when they get held accountable. Civil disobedience involves getting arrested. I can only assume this is the first time someone actually disciplined them. I'm not I don't want to post this to make fun of this this individual. And I'm not one to actually, you know, very, very rarely do I make videos about random user accounts and even viral videos like this. But this is very important for us to talk about right now based on what we're seeing. This young woman clearly has no idea what's going on, yet she is going out and protesting and acting like she's deserving of something, like things are supposed to be done in a certain way. And it reminds me of, you know, being young and dumb. The problem is these people are providing cover or they're engaging in what, what amounts to an avalanche. In the, in the long run, we have now seen horrifying, horrifying stories. Police have lost their lives, 13 plus dead throughout all of this rioting. So the worst that could happen is you engage in civil disobedience. You get arrested. That's about it. Well, this video is going viral for two reasons. Among, it's got over a million views already. Among the right, it's typically people making fun of them for being dumb 
which I actually don't like. I, I don't. Look, I get it. They're entitled, privileged, whiny children who are complaining about like, the gentlest arrest ever. And we'll read some comments. But you know what? It's, it's, it's their first protest, probably. They don't know much. When they get older, they'll better understand. And I, I, I can respect that. And it's worth calling out respectfully. I will call out and I will deride the things they say and, and, and speak down to them because that's the point of older people explaining the world to younger people. I got to admit, it is funny. I think a lot of people get a kind of emotional release seeing these leftist activists freak out and panic over nonsense. But for me, it's funny because it's like watching young kids. It's like watching a toddler, you know, fall down for the first time. And then, then they're all confused, like, wow, that hurt. It's like watching a kid grow up. It's like, yep, man, welcome to the real world, buddy. Hopefully now you learn your lesson. What's funny about this, and I'll play the clip, and I'll read you her Twitter thread, is how her, delu- like, the problem is, as much as I can say, it's good that she's getting a real world experience for once. The problem is other people on Twitter reinforce the delusion that she was right all along. They say, oh, no, this is police brutality. We're talking about a protest because a man died and you were gently placed in plastic cuffs and sat down for violating curfew. I'm sure you're going to get a disorderly charge or some other nonsense charge, and that will be the end of it. Civil disobedience involves getting arrested. Freedom of assembly peaceably does not mean freedom from consequence, as they say, right? I'm joking, by the way. The point I bring up, I have said over and over again, for one, peaceful assembly, First Amendment. Two, when you engage in disruptive civil disobedience, you will be arrested. Activists used to call that a badge of honor. I know I worked for Greenpeace and they told us that, that if you engage in any kind of action with the company or whatever, we view those arrests as badges of honor. But they're peaceful arrests. They sit down in a street, a cop walks up and does this, picks you up, puts you in cuffs, and that's it. And you say, okay, you can spend the night in jail, you get out the next day, and we're done with it. The cops know it's a procedural thing to get you out of the street. You know that by taking this action, you risk arrest. But these people, man, the problem is they're not going to learn, and that's what scares me. So let me me show you this, and then I want to read you what they're saying about it. So here's, here's the video. Let me play it for you. Keep scooting back for me, man. Don't stand up for me, miss. These Nazis are tormenting our children. These Nazis are tormenting America. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Where are the adults? Where are our veterans? Here are our leaders. Are we having a party? Our politicians. What are they doing right now? Well, tanks and fascists brutalize our kids. They aren't letting this young woman have her dialysis. She's my sister. I need to call her down. She's having a panic attack. Excuse me, sir. This young woman have her dialysis. Sir. She's got a Keep scooting back. Wow. These fascists aren't letting her have her dialysis. What? These people have no idea what they're talking about. So let me, let me, let me, let me. Let me, let me. (laughs) All right. There's a video of some dude who got hit in the leg with a rubber bullet and he's got a, a, an abrasion, a flesh, a minor, minor flesh wound of some sort. Very minor. Looks like it scraped the skin and he was bleeding. The, the activists apply a tourniquet with full pressure to his leg just above the wound. And there's so much wrong with this. I want to scream. These are kids 
who have no discipline, no training, no experience, and are imitating movies. They have no idea what's going on. That's the problem with social media is that this is all being reinforced. When she posts, instead of having adults say, listen, here's what really happens. She gets reinforcement from creepy weirdos saying things like, oh, no, oh, that's so wrong. That's so wrong. Here's what she wrote. I was arrested for peacefully protesting for the BLM movement in Cincinnati. Cops forced me to stand while hyperventilating and actively passing out. No, you weren't. You didn't pass out. And then laughed at me while I was having a panic attack. They withheld my sister's meds and mocked her intelligence while she begged. I would like to explain to you why they mocked her intelligence while she begged. You see, somebody liked to point out to me that. So here's, here's the first video. This is from Rational Disconnect. You may be familiar because I've talked to him in the past. He says, hey, cool story, Tim. In the moments leading up to their arrest, their sister was begging the police to give her insulin and they laughed in her face. So I don't know. Maybe that led to them having a panic attack. First of all, the woman being arrested is not the one who is diabetic. It's her sister who was asking for her insulin. Second of all, the woman who was asking for her insulin straight up said, my blood sugar is getting low or something to that effect. And she needed insulin. I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm not an expert on, di- on, on diabetes or anything, but my general understanding, and maybe this for the cop as well, is that if, if, your blood sh- if your blood sugar is getting low and you take insulin, you could die or go into a coma. That's my understanding. I could be wrong about that. So I'm, I don't want to pretend to be a doctor on this one. But what I can tell you is that cops probably like that doesn't sound right. That sounds like you need a candy, like you need a sugar, you need something to drink. If your blood sugar is getting low, now the insulin's for when it's going too high, right? Clearly they're lying and the cops know this. The dude then shouts, she needs her dialysis. You have an idea how big a dialysis, dialysis machine is? They don't got a dialysis machine in the trunk of their car. So the cop knows they're lying. Their kids complaining and crying and whining. And that's why he's laughing. He's laughing because nothing is happening. The worst things these kids experience, are you kidding me? They get gently cuffed and sat down while they huff and puff and hyperventilate. Yeah, man, we've all dealt with children and they've been uh, and, and, they've, and they've had to have been disciplined. So here's what she writes. My sister begged police to let her have medicine, her medicine bag. She had to beg to check her blood sugar and ask for help while she was dropping. She reached over to hold me while I lost consciousness and police pulled each away and held me up by the shoulders. They forced me to walk. Why is anyone entertaining this? Dude, you want to come to me and you want to say this man lost his life because the cops killed him? I'm like, dude, that's messed up. You want to come at me and be like, they made me sit down on the ground. I'm going to be like, yo, grow up, man. I, I, I look at this and it's just, is this, <laughs> is this what we get? You know, uh, suddenly I'm not so worried about a civil war, I suppose. It's a bunch of kids LARPing. No, I really do think there's a threat of civil war because there are lunatics who are older and still lunatics and naive. But I'll tell you what, man, I was in Egypt during the second revolution, the removal of Morsi from power. It's a very, very complex situation in that country. And I can't tell you I watched somebody die. And I was in a vehicle where they were transporting high powered automatic weapons and stuff. And it was like, man, we were doing this crazy story. It was crazy. We were, I mean, we were in the middle of a revolution. Groups went out with these makeshift shotguns. Somebody took a blast in some capacity and then they dragged away the corpse. That's what I, that, that's, that's, that's stuff I've seen, right? Because that's how the real world really is. These kids are, are, are used to watching movies and playing video games and they've never actually experienced the real world. Because of this, 
the first time in their lives when they're not treated like snowflakes, they freak out and they hyperventilate. She said, three, they held up my elbows and dragged me to the bus, claiming there would be a medic at the place of processing. I was cuffed with tight zip ties for three hours on a bus because uh, before I was processed in an under in a, in a, in a, in a underground tunnel, sick, with the hundreds of other people rounded up, there was no medic. That just means I'm referencing her mistake. It's an underground tunnel. I was one of the last to be processed. They processed my sister and friend way before me and sent them out into the city. They weren't allowed to wait with me. We weren't able to use our phones while waiting. We didn't receive a phone call. My sister wasn't able to reach out. I love it. You know, the phone call thing's a myth, right? Everybody thinks I want my phone call. It reminds me of uh, uh, the dark night when they arrest the Joker and he sits down and they're like, what do you want? He goes, I want my phone call. Your phone call. You don't get a phone call. That's not real life. If they, if they're nice to you, they'll let you get a phone call. Now you can contact your lawyer and you can ask them to contact your lawyer, but it is a myth, at least in Illinois where I'm from, you don't get a phone call. And a lot of people, they do this thing where they're getting arrested and it's like, it's mind numbing. These people have no idea how the world works. And it's scary when you realize they're trying to change policy. It's just a bunch of morons. They yell things like, I have not been read my rights. They are not reading me my rights. And do you know what it means to be Mirandized, dude? No, they don't need to read you your rights because they're not investigating you. They saw you break the law and they're asserting of their own, uh, uh, um, of their own will under arguably oath when they, they you know, they're supposed to, uh, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know to what extent the police reports are filed. It's supposed to be truthful. They're asserting they witnessed the crime. The evidence is them as the witness. Now, maybe that should be challenged. I'm not a big fan of a cop being like, I saw you do it. You're under arrest. Okay, fine. But in a court of law, everyone just believes the cops. That's not cool. But they're not going to read you your rights. And so she's shocked. We didn't receive a phone call. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that how that works? It's not. You watch too many movies, dude. Uh, she probably got it from Batman. She said, uh, what'd she say? She, uh, my, sister, my sister wasn't able to reach out to, to my mom until after my friend got processed. She was a young 18-year-old and was kicked out into the streets with no phone battery. She was offered crack while waiting for me or my sister to come out. None of us knew where the others were. My zip ties were tied so tight to my hands. Uh, my hands were white. Now, that's not cool. And I, and I believe her. I do. Because zip ties can cut off circulation and cause nerve damage, particularly in the thumbs. Not a fan of that. I do not believe, pe- uh, I, I believe police need to be very, very careful about putting them on. They need to be put just tight enough, just tight enough. So that I can respect 100%. You know, I'm, I'm being fair, right? But you're going you're to try and complain. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it's a little low-key racist about the crack statement. She was offered crack. What? Why? Where were you? What are you trying to say about that? These kids, these privileged white suburban kids who've never experienced real hardship. You're worried that, you know, you know what really bugs me about this? You're complaining that someone offered you drugs, bro. <laughs> so what you mean to say is that somebody was, tr- was trying to uh, offer up a, a, a free transfer of goods. Someone tried selling me something that was illicit. And well, what is it supposed to mean? I grew up on the south side of Chicago, man. You walk down the street and you get offered all sorts of garbage. And, and, and the funny thing about it is, Dude, if they're trying to sell you something, they're not threatening you. Like, what are you, what are you freaking out about? That's why I always think it's funny when people complain about, uh, like, you know, drug dealers in certain areas, like as if it's like a threat of, of violence or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. I'm not a big fan of, of, of drug dealers and all that stuff. No way, man, especially not in my neighborhood. I am fairly libertarian, though, and think we should have this stuff regulated and for sale, depending, you know, within reason. So we should definitely reassess the things that are being sold uh, and being made illegal. 
But like if someone's politely like trying to offer you the sale of goods, what are you what are you freaking out about? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not like they came up to you and said, give me your crack. They were like, would you like to purchase my wares? And it just so happens there are. So uh, look, look, I get it. It's, it's a nasty thing to sell for sure. But what are you trying to what's the what's your point that you that you finally got to see what street life is like? Yeah. Here's what she says. I have bruises around my wrists. Cincinnati police arrested as many protest uh, as many protesters. We didn't leave the city until 2 a.m. Uh, well, there is a curfew in effect. I don't like curfew. I think those curfews are wrong. I also think, however, if you protest them and you're standing up against the machine, expect to be arrested. And, and poor you, eight hours later, they let you go. Not a fan of curfews. Not a fan of any of the lockdowns. I think they violate the First Amendment. There's arguments about national security and things like that. I think the police should not have arrested her or, or, or these other people. But I went to her TikTok and she says that they pulled her out of her car when they were trying to leave. No, dude, you were running from the cops. Listen, I don't think she should have been arrested in the first place. I think a lot of these people shouldn't, but the police are trying to deter things. I don't like that idea. Hey, man, I don't know what those solutions are, though. I don't like the idea that they're going to be like, well, we'll arrest you. So it deters you from doing it again. Well, it didn't. She's going to go back out. But I will. I do think it's fair to point out if you are out somewhere, you know, you're not supposed to be or you know that the the police are challenging you and you want to challenge them. I can respect the civil disobedience. The police say curfew. You say F you. I get it. Totally agree. Civil disobedience. But you will be arrested. And this is part of the fight, the legal process. Then you go to court, you challenge the law. And guess what? You win. Sometimes you lose. But that's how it plays out. The worst case scenario is no one's going to throw you in a gulag because you did this. The judge is going to be like, you know, uh, times, you know, you're, they're going to they're say dismissed. They're going to say pay a $50 fine or some ridiculous nonsense. It's very, very low. A slap on the wrist if you lose this one. It's not the end of the world. Congratulations on experiencing the real world. I wish more kids got to experience this. The problem, though, is the responses. She says Cincinnati in the next few days. Uh, she's going back to Cincinnati in the next few days. Take part in the protest again. Police will not silence me, and their treatment of me will not be will not while not be forgotten in vain. What? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. No justice, no peace. They don't. I don't think these activists realize what they what what people hear when they yell "No justice, no peace." Now I understand the context. They're trying to say if there is no justice, there is no peace. But when you engage in mass violence and rioting and straight up say "No justice, no peace." You are telling people there will be no justice and there will be no peace. You can't assume that people understand the context of your statements. They do not. Take a look at this. Someone said, give me a break with this. Everything is hyper dramatic and play acting these days. Much respect. But a cab, uh, a cab BLM says, how can anyone watch this and not declare this an act of state sponsored domestic terror to protect and serve where he literally is trying to kill her. Ah! Wow, man. You know what, my friends, I'm going to move out to the middle of nowhere. I'm going to get a farm. I'm going to have my own cows and chickens and y'all can have it. You can have all of this. I don't want <laughs> literally trying to kill her. The man gently placed her in cuffs. That's it. That's that's the story. Man, do I love it. It's you know what? There's another video. I can't really show it because this is YouTube. But there's a uh, there's a there's two guys and they're like playing beer pong or whatever, two white dudes. And they and the guy starts filming and looks out the window and he sees a bunch of protesters. I'll call them rioters, actually, walking past and he gives them a thumbs up. You may have seen the video. Ami Horowitz tweeted it out. 
And then he's like, yeah. And he like bangs on the window and gives him a thumbs up. And then all of a sudden rocks come flying through their windows and they're like, what are you doing? We're on your side. We're on your side. He yells to the people who just smashed his window. (laughs) You people are these people. You know what, man? They have they have they have no idea what comes next. They don't. They really, really don't. Some some lunatics showed up to Cassandra Fairbanks's house. And I, I know I brought it up several times the past few days, but it needs to be brought up. You want to talk about being someone trying to kill you, my friend Hannah? Uh, uh, let, let, let me first say, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I don't like the idea that people are, are, are coming hard at her with, with, with severe insults and, and derision. But to an extent, some of it is fair and warranted. When you're a child experiencing the world for the first time, and you finally realize what things are really like. People, older people laugh at you. And you know what? It was really frustrating to me growing up. It's like, bro, how do you expect me to know these things? I don't know this. I've never done this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm entering the world. So she's, you know, I think she's, I guess, 18, people have said, something like that. And so it's her first foray into real life. And now because, you know, it, it's, it's, social media really is this, this, this awful, awful thing. I don't like I don't like making videos where I target a single lot of people like this. But listen, she's got a million views and people are saying that they're trying to kill her. So, no, this needs to be needs to be shut down immediately. But you know what, man? You want to complain about them literally trying to trying to kill you. Let me tell you about people showing up to Cassandra Fairbanks's house where she was with her daughter and they fired guns and fireworks at her building. This is the this, this is someone trying to kill you. I'm sorry. The officer was mean to you and he's in the cuffs were too tight. I don't think the cuffs should have been tied at all. And I think it's a serious problem. People, I've seen people get serious damage to their hands. And that can be really bad if you need, like, you need your hands. So we, I, I'm, I'm down. I'm down for police reform, especially after hearing the other day that Black Lives Matter dude, Hank Newsom, wants local community patrol in the black neighborhood armed. And I'm like, maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe now we can actually, we can defund the police. Not completely, but enough so to where we tell these communities, you must defend yourselves. I don't know. It sounds like a win-win. The Second Amendment gets bolstered. People in these communities and cities are responsible for the crime in their own neighborhoods. And then guess what happens? If your neighborhood watch shoots an armed intruder and it's, a, it's an unarmed black man or whatever, that's something your community will have to deal with. And the police come in if it can't be solved. But I think that may actually solve a lot of these problems. So it's a really interesting idea. Now, I'm reticent to say, you know, to go gung-ho on any of these things because of unforeseen potentials. And that's why I tend to be a rather milquetoast fence sitter, as it were. But I like the idea that maybe we police our own communities and that's our responsibility. And the people should have a right to defend their own communities and arm themselves. Maybe this will we'll see the Second Amendment become stronger, gun control measures be relaxed in a way that these liberals and Black Lives Matter activists actually want. And then you'll see Black Lives Matter activists defending their own communities, and they don't have to worry about racial injustice or, or systemic racism from police departments because they are in control of policing their communities. Now, listen, that means if someone from one neighborhood goes to another, it's your responsibility in your neighborhood to protect your neighborhood from outside forces. And that's when we can see police involvement and things like that. It's an interesting idea. There's a lot of pitfalls I can't see. That's why I'm not pretending like it's the best idea. It's just something interesting that came up. I'll leave it there, though. Stick around. The next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. A suspected looter, 22, is shot dead by police while he was on his knees with his hands up because a cop thought he had a gun, but instead turned out to be a hammer. This is a shockingly sad story. There's a viral video going around right now, and a lot of people are laughing and poking fun 
because it is, I believe, a Korean man aiming an AR at a looter who's laying on the ground. And a lot of people, they say things like play stupid, play stupid games, win stupid prizes and things of that nature. And while I certainly understand that sentiment, I think this is all absolutely horrifying. The guy was on his knees with his hands up. Nobody should be losing their lives over what's going on. The point of the protests in the beginning and the anger everyone had was because someone lost their life. Now, was George Floyd innocent? In the context of what happened to him with the police brutality, I would argue yes. But in the bigger picture, he had been accused of using counterfeit money, apparently had drugs in his system. He had a bad past. The reason I bring this up is there's always some reason to justify why someone thinks someone should die. And I don't want to hear any of it. In the end, I hope that we can end. We want to we want to de-escalate everything. This young man, suspected of looting, had a hammer, was outside a store where looting was going on. And for all you know, maybe he was defending it. I don't know. All I know is I understand why these things happen. And I'm not here to advocate for or against some ideology or something. I'm here to tell you and give you an understanding of what is happening and what is to come to all the leftists who think this is restorative justice. You have no idea what hell you have wrought. So this story is already horrifying enough. And we have another story. Last night, the NYPD commissioner says a man in Brooklyn stabbed a police officer in the neck in an unprovoked attack. He was assigned to an anti-looting post. The man then stole the officer's gun and shot two other officers in the hand. All three are in stable condition. And I'm glad to hear it. But this is also shocking and horrifying. An NYPD officer in New York, I don't know what he was doing, but the video is going viral, was standing, he was, he, was, he was like talking to a car or something. Another car speeds up and slams right into him. He goes flying. In another video, an NYPD supervisor, they call him white shirts, is cracked over the head with some kind of baton or object. And another officer draws his weapon and takes aim at the rioters. There's no, there, there's, there's no victory. I mean, you know, some changes will be made. Both sides think they're morally just and want to win. But all I'm here to tell you is, regardless of what you want to happen, expect innocents to die. Expect people to die. So when you see when you see people claiming that this one story is unjust or this story is worse or that story is worse, I don't I don't care to hear it, man. This is war. Both sides will have their justifications. And you could you could probably argue in a lot of ways who is right or who is wrong. For real. I see a lot of people saying this. The riots worked. There's, we're seeing police reform. People want to defund the police. Support for Black Lives Matter is going uh, is going up. And, you know, George Floyd, the cop who, who killed him, wouldn't be arrested unless they rioted. And you know what? Horrifyingly, they're probably right, at least to a certain degree. This guy probably would not have been arrested. They would have called it an accident or something. And this is what the protesters wanted. And they got it. I don't like the idea of using force because uh, to get what you want, especially considering what now 13 plus people have already lost their lives. Maybe this makes 14. You're going to see more stories of this. And here's what's scary. Everyone will use each story to bolster their side in an endless spiral down into total chaos, a race to the bottom. You know, it's it's the it's the violence beget violence. Revenge begets revenge where someone says, you know, a car accident happens. Someone loses their life. Then the other, then, then the brother of that person says, you killed my brother. I want revenge. Then he kills that person. Then his brother says, you killed my brother. My brother. I want revenge. And that's how things spiral out of control. At a certain point, 
maybe there's nothing that can be done because these people inherent, they, they view the police force as inherently racist and evil that can never be reformed. And they're willing to get what they want by any means necessary. And then you end up with cops who are at work and don't want to bother with, you know, with dealing with these things. And they take extreme actions, which results in more, more conflict. The FBI is getting involved with this story. FBI joins investigation into ambush on cop in Brooklyn. They say the FBI has joined the investigation. Uh, he was out ambushed with a knife. The officer was on an anti-looting patrol Wednesday in Flatbush when a man walked up behind him, stabbed him in the neck. Police had setting off a struggle in which the assailant was shot and two other officers suffered gunshot injuries to their hands. The FBI is looking into a possible terror connection to the ambush, according to police. Sources who have seen the video of the stabbing told Fox News it was utterly chilling. Why does this happen? I lived on a street. Uh, it was uh, near Myrtle and Nostrand in Brooklyn. And if you look up, I think it was Tompkins and Nostrand, I believe was the name of the street. A, a black identity extremist walked up to a squad car with an Asian and a Latino officer. He posted something on Facebook saying, you take, you take one of ours, we take two of yours. And he executed these cops. I lived on that street. It happened only a hundred or so, hundreds of feet from my building. They locked my street down and told me I couldn't go outside. Yeah, but just, just on the other side, helicopters over my house. These two cops didn't do anything to this guy. They didn't know him and they weren't even white. It doesn't matter. This, this cop got ambushed with a knife to the neck. The guy stole his gun. Why? Because tensions are escalating due to story after story. And I don't think there's anything you, you can do to stop the, the avalanche. The reason I'm, what, what I'm trying to get to, and I, I want to read you the first story about the looter, because that's kind of the, the late story. I mean, this is a dude who lost his life and we'll learn about what happened. The, the reason I'm telling you this is that you can think you're morally justified for whatever reason, but it doesn't matter. For the regular people who don't want to be involved in the fight, you will be dragged in. This battle will continue to escalate as both sides feel that they were wronged and deserve some kind of justice, and they don't want to get it through a court system. You end up seeing these ambushes. This man loses his life. Well, I'll tell you what, man. In Oakland, a white van pulled up to a government building, panel door opened, rifle came out, two officers got shot, one died. I can't, and this stuff is happening, right? How do you think these police now feel hearing all of this? It's entirely possible many of them quit. They just straight up quit. We've seen videos apparently of the NYPD standing down and ignoring the looting because they're not getting support. They get blamed. And no matter what happens, it's bad. Now we see this story. Let me, let me read, you, read, read you the story and we'll talk more about conflict and, and crisis. The Daily Mail reports a 22 year old man suspected of stealing from a pharmacy in the San Francisco Bay Area was kneeling and had his hands above his waist when he was when he fatally when he was fatally shot by officers who thought he had a gun in his waistband, but actually had a hammer. So apparently he didn't have his hands up. They say his hands up. They say his hands were at his waist. Okay, so that's misleading. Details of the shooting were revealed even as some California counties and cities planned to end curfews after days of largely peaceful protests over the police killing of George Floyd. Monterosa, 22 of San Francisco, was the first confirmed death at the hands of law enforcement in California related to stealing from stores since Floyd's death. And what was this? This is the Bay Area, I believe. Right. The Bay Area has already been riddled with, with, with chaos and looting and crime. Vallejo Police Chief Shawnee Williams said officers were, resp were responding to calls involving a Walgreens early Tuesday when the shooting occurred. The death prompted renewed calls against police brutality by critics at a brief news conference by Williams, saying it was exactly the kind of police action they were protesting. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. 
you just had, I think it was in the Bay Area, a van pull up and shoot two officers. What do you think is going to happen? Are you not paying attention to the news? When you enter the fray, don't be surprised when the bullets come flying and they come for you. I'm not happy about this. This is horrifying. This dude, presumably, I, I lean towards he was probably looting, but I don't know. You know, we have innocent until proven guilty in this country. But the cop, you got to think about what, what they're thinking. They've been, there have been several shootings. There have been ambushes. Cops have been shot in some places and just in this guy's town. So he sees a dude outside a building where looting is going on with something in his waistband and he freaks out. Yep, that's called escalation. That's called conflict and crisis. You need to understand this. To all the people who are defending the riots as some kind of, you know, language of the unheard or something like that, you know, it's some ridiculous nonsense. Expect more young people to lose their lives. Stupid kids who don't know what they're doing when cops freak out. Look, it's a problem. I'll admit on a day to day basis, when you have scared cops and these things happen, it is it, it is a serious problem. The escalation is not going to stop, in my opinion, especially right now as riots are sweeping the country. It does seem like based on the news reports, things have simmered down quite a bit, especially with D.C. bringing in these big giant barricades. But this this memory is going to stay with the people and it's going to stay with the police forever. I, 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 I don't understand why anyone would want to be a cop at this point. I got to be honest. Why would you want to do it? Now, if you're talking about community policing, that I totally get. You know, we, we saw Hank Newsom of Black Lives Matter saying that they should arm their own communities so they have their own neighborhood protection because it protects them from the bad guys. And then it puts the responsibility on them to protect themselves. And maybe that's the solution. Because as long as you keep seeing these videos emerge where, where, where they say police brutality affects this community more than that community, then people will hold animosity towards each other. They'll blame this person or that person. Tensions will rise and people will lose their lives. Here's the quote. The intent was to stop the looting and to arrest any perpetrators if necessary. The officers reacted to a perceived threat. I would say that it's always a tragedy anytime an officer has to use force. My condolences to his family. It is a difficult thing to happen. And I understand, uh, I understand that. William said police saw about a dozen people suspected of stealing in the parking lot of the store. One of the officers rammed into a police, uh, one, one of the cars rammed into a police vehicle and prompted a wild chase. At the same time, officers spotted Monterosa near the building with what appeared to be a weapon. The individual appeared to be running toward the black sedan when suddenly he stopped, taking a kneeling position and placing his hands above his waist, revealing what appeared to be the butt of a handgun. An officer fired five times through a police car windshield, hitting Monterosa once, William said. Monterosa had a 15 inch hammer tucked in his in the pocket of his sweatshirt. The chief said John Burris, an attorney for the family, said he is appalled police would shoot at a person who was on his knees with his hands raised. But that's 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 not what they said. So who do you trust, man? The activists are going to trust the family and say the cops lied. Then you're going to find a lot of people, not necessarily every conservative, but many of them trusting the police. Oh, it doesn't matter. It, it really, really doesn't. Stupid games and stupid prizes, man. You go to a, you show up to a riot where you know that for the past week people have been looting and these people think they're going to come up. I've seen the viral videos, man. Have you seen the one where the guy's in the intersection and they're running in and stealing shoes like Jordans and whatever? And the guy's laughing like, you know, this guy knows what's up. And he like fist bumps a car. Some lady leaves her car running in the intersection to run in and steal stuff. This is what people are seeing. If you see that and you know that there's, there's death and violence and destruction, and this is stemming from murder, and you choose to go there, 
Man, and the responsibility is on you. Now, I don't like that these, these, these shootings are happening. I don't want, I don't want this guy to lose his life. I don't, I don't want any of these people to. That's the point. That's the point of the protests. But you reap what you sow, man. You go there knowing the risks for what? If you can't pay the penalty, do not play the game. This young, uh, this young man was shot multiple times while he was on his knees and appeared to be trying to surrender. Burris said, adding that he understands tensions have been high, but one has to maintain control and you can't get to arbitrary uh, and you don't get to arbitrarily shoot someone in panic just because the situation is excitable. Melissa Nold, an attorney in Burris's law firm, told KTVU that police ought to release any video footage of the incident. He was a well-loved member of the community. This wasn't a person that was committing murder. This wasn't a person that should have ended up dead on Monday night. That's true. He should not have ended up dead. That's for sure. And the police absolutely need to release the footage. But I, I look at this right now with or without the footage. And I say, if you want to engage in looting, where you take a weapon and you go to a store and then a cop sees you and look, man, I'm sorry. This is, you know, what's going to happen in this regard. Even assuming the footage even shows just a general panic. I don't think this cop will get charged with anything. You know, you're going to show a jury and say, look what happened in Logan, uh, in Oakland only a few days ago. An officer was killed. This guy responds. Someone rams his car. He's freaking out. People are running around with weapons. He sees the guy get on his knees and he sees maybe the guy's raising his hands. Maybe he's not. We'll see what the video shows. But he sees what looks like the butt of a gun. It was the handle of a hammer, apparently. And he freaks out. Maybe the cop shouldn't have freaked out. Maybe that cop shouldn't have made that call. I don't know, man. All I can say is I sit back and I watch all this stuff. I'm not going to be here to praise or condemn anybody, but just let you know this, this very important fact. This is just a glimpse of what war would be like. And, and, and these kids, they don't understand the games they're playing. They don't. The snowflake doesn't blame itself for the avalanche. They come out thinking it's fun. I'll get a hammer. I'll smash a window. I'll steal something, they, they say. And then in the end, when they die, they're shocked that it would happen. Other people aren't going to risk their lives for you. They're going to take their chance with the jury. The cop was probably thinking it. The people in these trucks and these other cars that have plowed through crowds are probably thinking it. We all saw what happened back in the LA riots. You can see the videos of a man pulled from his truck and beaten to death. So when you get, be it a, be it a cop, be it a, a, a civilian, anybody, now they're not going to, they're not going to wait. They're going to go full steam and say, you know what? If there's a horde of people smashing windows and attacking people, and in the news, all these stories about ambushes and death, why would they risk their lives? They would rather present all that to a jury and say, this is why I feared for my life. And guess what? The dude actually had a weapon. You can argue the weapon wasn't a real threat to the officer, but the dude did have a weapon. Is there, is there then an issue of the, you having the intent to cause harm to somebody? Does that then come up? In Omaha, a bar owner walked outside. His dad gets shoved by, by rioter, rioters and looters. People were destroying property. He shows him his weapon. Two guys try to lunge for him. He fires a warning shot, which apparently you're not supposed to do, actually, like you, because you get that, that bullet can go who knows where. But then the, this other dude jumps on him and he fires. Apparently he got knocked down on his face or something. He fired over his shoulder and hit the kid. Well, I say kid, but the guy, the guy was 22. And now they're trying to blame this guy saying he should be prosecuted. It doesn't work that way, man. You, the, the, you, you enter the fray. You play this game. These are the prizes won by all. Let me tell you what happens when this escalates. If this doesn't stop and come to the next several months and even into, into November, it only gets worse. And it's, and it's been only getting worse for the past decade. And now maybe things calm down. It's possible. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards, 
I have a fear of escalation because nobody wants to back down. Nobody wants to admit fault. Nobody wants to say the rioting was wrong. Where do we go? War, real war. And it'll look like this. You'll be sitting in your home. You know, the suburbs, several suburbs in different places have been have been looted and raided already. The National Guard seen marching down residential streets. It will come to your home. Regular people don't want any of it. They never do. The same was true for the Revolutionary War. A lot of people just said, no way, leave us out of it. And the same is, tr- is true today. Too many people say, just leave me alone for better or for worse. In many moments of history where we needed the people to stand up and say enough, they didn't get up. In many circumstances where you need them to say, stop, they didn't get up. They don't want to be involved. And then the, the, the warring factions fight. Somebody takes over and all you will see is suffering. That's what you'll see. Man, the, the, these cops who lost their lives, I'm going to show you something right now. I almost never, never do shout outs for fundraisers or anything. But this, these past, this past week has been something very different for me. Captain David Dorn. I don't know if you've seen the video of David Dorn, man. But this video, if, 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 if anything, I wished this video would be something that would just stop it all. A shock to the system that everyone from Black Lives Matter to the looters, to the protesters, conservative, liberal, up, down, left, right, whatever, would see this and say, please stop. He was a cop, retired cop, 77 year old. He got a report that there was a break in at his friend's pawn shop. Now they wanted to steal some TVs. Mind you, this is a pawn shop. So I doubt the TVs were even the best TVs you could get. They killed this man. Somebody's grandpa, somebody's father, a member of the community, somebody who served and protected. And not only that, to the ideology of the leftists, this was a, this was a black cop. This is a, a retired cop. This is somebody that was, was, I'm not going to pretend he was a good guy. I don't know. But he was a guy who did. He should fit the narratives of everybody. He was a blue life and a black life. And both, both, you know, we can say all lives matter. We can say whatever we want, but we can say black lives matter. And his life mattered. And in the chaos that ensued because of war, it's not always about ideology. Some people exploit war for profit. In this instance, I mean, I mean war figuratively in this sense. This is rioting. What I mean to say is when you come out, and you, you are that snowflake making that avalanche. And then other people come out to exploit this. We see this. And I wonder why we can't just stop. The reason is because both, both sides defend their ideology wholeheartedly. The left and the Black Lives Matter and Antifa say there is no justice. So there will be no peace. When there is no peace, people like Captain David Dorn lose their lives. And the video is haunting, man. And I mean, I, you know, I could use words. It's gruesome. It's terrifying. He's laying on the ground. You see it. You can see it. And the man saying, stay with me, brother. It, 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 will, it will make you cry seeing what happened to this man. Jack Posobiec, conservative guy. He gets slammed and smeared. They doxed him. Well, he, made a, he set up a fundraiser for, uh, for David Dorn. I'll put the link in the description below. This guy's, they've already raised 220, uh, I'm $255,000. Um, and it was only a goal of what, $15,000. So, I mean, it's been, it's been heartwarming to see so many regular people stepping up to help those that are, that are victimized by this. The family of uh, George Floyd, I believe it's like $10 million, some ridiculously huge number. I'm glad to hear that there, that there's going to be some, you know, people stepping up, some to say the least. I mean, that's a lot of money. The guy, uh, uh, Corboy uh, Bala, who owned Scores Bars, his dream come true, destroyed by rioters, now raised over a million dollars. And David Dorn, a man who is just trying to protect his community, his friend's shop, lost his life, $255,000. It's just money, man. It is. It's, it's just money. But regular people have been stepping up. What scares me is that 
The ideologues who, who want this conflict don't care about any of what happens in between. And they'll, and they'll use these stories to blame the other side, which is why I think you don't see this story popping up outside of conservative circles. It doesn't fit the narrative for the extremists who want a disproportionate response. They want young people radicalized by getting arrested. They want evidence of police brutality against the black community as fuel to rile up liberals and leftists to go out and, and, and fight with cops. This story doesn't fit that narrative. You know why? Because this guy was a cop. This is the blue life that mattered. It's also the black life that mattered. And so what does that mean? I think it means that, man, everybody matters. And I can understand the brutality and the problems and Black Lives Matter and all that. And I hear you, man. I really do. But are you going to step up now and talk about the real chaos and calamity that comes with all this destruction? Or are you going to say, God is on my side? I don't mean that literally in the sense. There's a figurative statement where people believe that they're morally justified to do what they do because they have the moral superiority. And it's colloquialized by God is on my side. This story doesn't fit. This is the tragedy. The innocent people who lose their lives, the good people who lose their lives, that don't fit the extremist ideology and don't help them rally their cause so they get ignored. So what? This guy gets a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is great, mind you, his family, but he lost his life and there's no amount of money that can replace that. Same is true for George Floyd. Scores getting their bar rebuilt. I mean, that's just nice. Nobody lost their life there, but I still think it's cool to see that, you know, people pitched in and helped this guy get his dream back for these things. I just wish people would stop, but I don't think they will. I think it'll get worse and the innocent will suffer. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at timcast.net. Stick around, check it out. I'll see you then. You read that right. Read it again. You read that right. Minneapolis city council members consider disbanding the police. That's their takeaway from all of this. If you are someone who lives in Minneapolis, my only advice to you is to move and move fast. Will they actually disband the police? I don't know. I got to say probably not, but they're at the point where they're considering doing it. Listen, man, we got a lot of problems with police. I'm, I'm totally down for police reform, but it doesn't mean you just stop having them. Wow. I saw this. I can't tell you how hard I was laughing. Not because it's, it's like funny, haha, but just like the world is in like we're in free fall, man. Nothing makes sense. Hydroxychloroquine safe. Now it's not safe. Wear masks. Don't wear masks. Wear masks again. We're under a lockdown. Now we're not under a lockdown. What's going on? No one is in control. Everything is falling apart. And now they're actually saying in response to all of the rioting, maybe we should just get rid of the police. I tell you what, man, what a world, huh? Hey, I, I, at least life's not boring, right? Because I'd been talking about that. Remember I said that, you know, that George Carlin quote where it's like, think about how stupid the average person is. Now realize half of them are stupider than that. My response was, think about how boring life is. Now realize half of the stories you read are actually more boring than real life. It's like they're being sensationalized. That's the point. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. Fortunately for me, I don't live in Minneapolis, but let's read this story from City Pages. They say, budget meeting after budget meeting, they turn out with their petitions and signs demand, uh, demanding the city put less money into its police department and more into programs to stop crimes from happening in the first place. Affordable housing, addiction counseling, violence prevention programs. They actually have a photo of here. I guess it's just, just the police or whatever. The council's been listening. I think we've had a vision for a while of wanting to see another kind of city response to those 911 calls, says city council member Steve Fletcher, whose Ward 3 covers part of downtown. 
Calls about mental health crises could be answered by mental health professionals. Call about opioid abuse could be answered by addiction experts. Instead, both get cops usually armed. But it's one thing to think that's a good idea and another to get it done. The city has struggled to put any of these reforms in place in a substantial way, Fletcher says. Then George Floyd was killed by Minneapolis, Minneapolis police. Now the council members are listening to a city that is wounded, angry, fed up with decades of violence disproportionately visited, visited upon black and brown residents. Various private and public bodies from First Avenue to Minneapolis public schools have essentially cut ties with the police department. Council members are trying to figure out what their next move is. Let me just add, I'm sure there are many libertarians like big L libertarians standing up and clapping, saying, yes, please get rid of the police department. One of the arguments I hear a lot from libertarian types is that humans can get along just fine without cops. We don't need them. Maybe that's true. What we have here is an opportunity to grand experiment, I guess, right? No, I'm not in favor of that. I don't, I don't, I would never want to be the person to pull the trigger on such a radical transformation that could result in serious loss of life. But maybe that fear holds us back from actually having a freer and better society. What I talked about in the past, on the last Timcast IRL podcast and in one of my last uh, segments, Black Lives Matter saying they want to get armed and defend their own communities. If this results in community policing and individuals taking responsibility for their own localities, maybe it could work. I don't want to poo-poo it outright. I'm just laughing because it's just, it's crazy, right? It's a radical transformation. Let's read more. Here's what they say. Their discussion is starting to sound a little more like what groups like Reclaim the Block and Black Visions Collective have been saying for years. On Tuesday, Fletcher published a lengthy Twitter thread saying the police department was irredeemably beyond reform and a protection racket that slows down responses as political payback. Quote, several of us on the council are working on finding out what it would take to disband the Minneapolis Police Department and start fresh with a community oriented, nonviolent public safety and outreach capacity, he wrote. You can peruse that thread in its entirety here. Now, I I, got to stop. There's actually a good argument to be made in in this regard. The de-escalation of of law enforcement could result in rapid de-escalation of certain violent crimes and tactics. I'm not entirely convinced it will work out, but I often bring up the Chinese finger trap problem. You know, the more you pull, the worse you make things. Well, this is certainly the opposite of pulling in the finger trap. Maybe it can work out. Maybe there needs to be an overlap a nonviolent community-oriented safety and outreach system, basically police, but dramatically reduced. And then you have the communities, they've got to go buy their own weapons. They've got to go form their own, you know, uh, uh, protective forces and community, you know, uh, groups. Maybe, maybe that is a smarter way to take care of things. I'm not going to pretend like I got all the answers, man. This to me just sounds honestly like really idealistic and utopian. I got to imagine that this would result in utter bedlam. But hey, man, it's, the, it's, it's your city. I don't live there. And I'm definitely not going to move there anytime soon. Council member Felipe Cunningham retweeted the thread saying police slowdowns after cut uh, police slowdowns after cut budgets had been as exact experience as a council member. Council members Alondra Cano was also among those who chimed in with a similar but more concise note. Fletcher says the entire council, to some degree, has been discussing disbanding the police department as an option. He doesn't yet know what that will look like. He suspects it's a transition that will take time and the involvement and possibly voting capacity of residents. But now more than ever, this feels within reach. Earlier this week, the council members unanimously signed on in support of the Minnesota Department of Human Rights incoming investigation into the police department. In a joint statement, the council wrote, we urge the state 
to use its full weight to hold the Minneapolis Police Department accountable for any and all abuse of power and harms to our community and stand ready to aid in this process as full partners. The city council's oversight of the Minneapolis Police Department has been historically constrained by the city charter and state law. And we welcome new tools to, per, uh, to pursue transformational structural changes to how the city provides for public safety. The power of state law, Fletcher says, might allow them to do things once thought politically impossible. Even say recently, in 2018, the council voted to divert all of $1.1 million away from the police and toward community-driven public safety programs. Last year, Mayor, Mayor Jacob Frey's initial budget proposal called for hiring 14 additional police officers. After loud criticism from activists, Frey and the council com- uh, comprised, compromised on a plan to hire 38 police cadets with other funding going toward violence prevention. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got to stop you right there, friends, and just say in 2018, you diverted all of these funds. And today it's been, you know, two years and you're getting this George Floyd case. Maybe defunding them actually backfired. I'm not saying it did because I actually really like the idea of community policing. I'm just saying, take a look at the actions you've taken. Where are you now? And assess if you diverted funds and it didn't fix anything. Well, then maybe it doesn't matter, right? But just take into consideration. Fletcher is looking forward to conversations with the community on a new public safety approach uh, on how a new public safety approach would work, including some deeply uncomfortable conversations about use of force and whether it still has a place in the city's approach to law enforcement. But what he's, (laughs) this is Demolition Man. (laughs) Have you guys seen Demolition Man? Okay. But what he's seen the community do already to take care of itself, forming fire watches, putting up unhoused folks in hotels, looking out for one another in a time of unrest gives him hope for the future. After all that, after all, this is an idea that came from residents led by black and brown people in the first place. This is our responsibility for not getting this done faster, he says. Okay, I'll tell you what. How about certain communities can vote to remove the police department from their areas? That simple. I guess the challenge then is what happens if someone robs my neighborhood and then runs to your neighborhood? Who's going to enforce that? You guys, you probably defend your own. That's one of the big challenges with community policing. Why would, you know, if your person returns, you got to catch them in the act. It's, it's, it's a very tough uh, circumstance. But uh, have you ever seen Demolition Man? Basically, Sylvester Stallone is the Demolition Man, and he's a very, very uh, roguish cop. He gets uh, implicated in manslaughter charges, so he and the villain get frozen and sent into the future where everyone is a whiny baby who won't touch each other, and you get citations for swearing. So here you have the bad guy and the good guy, both rough and tumble, waking up in a world where everyone's like, oh no, we can't use violence, right? Well, they they do. They have these sticks. The funny thing is, though, they expect you to just do exactly as you're told. The cop will walk up to you and say, you know, get on your knees and they just do it. So when the bad guy doesn't, they're like, huh? The reason I bring this up is think about what they're saying here. Listen, I I get it, man. I, I think I think we need to try better ways of taking care of policing, especially as our cities grow and get larger. I think we've got to make sure that we're updating methodology for scale. And that might mean trying things we might, you know, not really want to do because it seems counterintuitive. But maybe there's a right answer somewhere in here. All I can imagine is these new community policing people having like their pronouns on their shirt and they like walk up to you and they're wearing like, you know, floaties on their arms or something. And there's like a criminal committing some act of violence and they're like, I know you're traumatized and that's why you're acting out and we support you. And then the violent criminals just like beating somebody and they're like, we're going to support you in this to help you deal with your trauma. I know, I know I'm, 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 I'm going over the top with it. All right. 
But that's literally what they're saying. In some, some of these high profile lefties are saying that when you see rioters, you have to understand they're just traumatized and they're doing this. They're acting out because they feel anger and pain. And we must support that anger and pain so that we can better adapt and understand that trauma. It's like, no, dude, some of these people just want a pair of sneakers. They smash the window and they raid Foot Locker to get some, some shoes. It's nothing else to it. It's not complicated. One dude got arrested and he said he was just trying to steal stuff because he wanted money. So okay, listen, okay, fine. Look, I don't, I don't know if getting rid of the police department makes the most sense. In the past segments, when I've talked about defunding, I don't mean disbanding. I mean, like, take away a lot of the more, you know, ex- ex- expansive resources and militarism and reduce them more to a community, uh, uh, community policing system, have people in dedicated areas be a part of the police force reporting to a central command of some sort. They have certain authorities and privileges and weapons. There, there's a, look, look, I'm not going to pretend I know the best answer. I, I, I also will not pretend this is not crazy sounding, but maybe it's not. I don't know. I know the libertarians are really down with ideas like this. Privatize your police force, right? Don't ask me, man. I just sit here and complain on the internet, but wow, are we talking about radical transformations? If it were me and I lived in the city, sorry, man, I get it. I don't want to be involved in your experiment, so I'm going to move and you can have your city with no police. We'll see how that works out. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around. I'll see you all shortly. It is billionaire on billionaire as Elon Musk takes on Jeff Bezos, demanding Amazon be broken up because monopolies are wrong. And this was in response to a former New York Times reporter having his book banned by Amazon. This is what people are referring to as a digital book burning. And Elon Musk is correct. We can't have Amazon controlling what people are allowed to read. How strange is it? It's the biggest marketplace. It's where you go to sell books. And if they don't allow your book, then what? Now they'll say, but it's a private company and they don't have to sell your book. Well, this is where people buy books, man. We shouldn't be banning books. We should allow people to read and be challenged and to challenge back. Let's read the story. Elon Musk calls for Amazon breakup after COVID-19 skeptic claims it censored his book. They say, Uh, His tweet came after writer Alex Berenson tweeted a screenshot showing that his upcoming book about COVID-19 doesn't meet Amazon guidelines for sale. Berenson has been a critic of the coronavirus lockdown and has suggested that the risks of serious illness or death are much lower than reported, especially for younger people. This is insane, Jeff Bezos, Musk said. Time to break up Amazon. Monopolies are wrong. Amazon didn't comment. Musk has been a vocal critic of government policy during the coronavirus pandemic. He has also tweeted in favor of reopening the country and during a Tesla earnings call said stay at home orders are fascist, among other things. I would have to agree with Mr. Elon Musk on this one. I, I, you know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. I think he's a kooky dude and I think he's done some things that are really questionable. But I like the going to Mars stuff. I like the electric cars and I like him calling out the BS. So what can I say? He's got a, He's got a positive track record on, as far as I can tell. They say Musk has a record of making strange remarks on Twitter. His latest example was on May 1st when he tweeted that Tesla stock is too high. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I brought up he does weird things. But hey, man, it is what it is. Well, I'm, 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 we're not going to dwell on this. What we really need to talk about is the expansion of this woke ideology. Many people often said it was just on college campuses. It was just kids. And as soon as they grow up, they will learn better. Nope. As these young people with their insane ideas have begun to age and enter new roles, they have brought their insane ideas with them. We see the video. Maybe you saw the segment I did earlier this morning where the young woman was crying because she got arrested at a protest. Yes, you would think 
that experiencing the real world would be a wake up call and would, would toughen you up. But this young woman was a wad of cookie dough. And unfortunately for her, instead of going through the crucible and coming out carved in stone, she instead gets people on Twitter propping her up and reinforcing her, I don't know, naive childish delusions about what police brutality really is. So what ends up happening? As these people grow up, they don't experience hardship. They experience oppression. And then they're told by everyone around them that it's not fair that they're being oppressed. So this is what you get. Amazon begins banning books that offend the delicate sensibilities of the massive multinational corporation. Uh, Alex Berenson tweeted, oh, F me, I can't believe it. They censored it. Andrew Sullivan, the famous writer, said, I think this guy is nuts, but denying him access to Amazon because of the content of his book is appalling. Absolutely is. Shadi Hamid tweeted this, and I don't necessarily know what this was in reference to, but he tweeted it nonetheless, and I think it's important to say. He said, remember all those commentators and journalists who smugly informed us that the woke craziness and suppression of campus speech was being overhyped and it was just a few overzealous students. They'll never admit they were wrong, but they were very, very wrong. Oh boy, were they. I think it's funny. I was, uh, I was talking to Sargon. Do you guys know Sargon Avakad? And he's like, I said it. You know, he's like, I I said, I'm like, I know (laughs) I was listening. We all knew. We all knew it was coming. What did you think was going to happen? That they would just forget all of their ridiculous dogma? Did you see that ridiculous video of them sitting in the park, holding their hands up, chanting some kind of weird worship ceremony or whatever it was, sermon, sermon, ceremony. I mixed them up. Melissa Chen, the famous, she tweeted, I pronounced the demise of wokeness in, in late 2019. Then coronavirus hit and I was almost sure. I completely agree. I was right there. I made how many? I made a couple of videos where I was like, the right has won the culture war. Like this stuff has died out. People aren't talking about it. They're talking about Trump stuff now. The culture war's still on, but the wokeness was fading up, fading out. Nope. Just you wait. She said, the anti-racist cottage industry was tempered for a while until it came out that African-Americans were dying of COVID at a higher rate. Wokeness then came back with a vengeance. This person, uh, Borkowitz says, COVID provided a real material existential threat which temporarily disrupted people's regular consumption of delusional social media. But we oversold the COVID threat. And now it's receipt. Uh, now, now it's receding. People are ODing on the woke nonsense they've been missing. Yeah, I tell you what, man, here it comes. So this guy says, uh, John Marshall, can you translate this into what you're actually saying? Shadi said, I'm not sure I should become your personal translator, Josh, but the campus woke maximalism, deplatforming, suppression of speech and intolerance of dissent has gone increasingly mainstream and national. Boy, has it. You see, earlier today, I did a segment about Mr. Tom Cotton, a senator from, uh, I believe it's Arkansas, Alabama, maybe. Sorry, I'm forgetting which state you're from, buddy, buddy. But he said, send in the troops. And immediately there was a revolt employees of the New York Times were tweeting that his op-ed was going to get people killed. Are you kidding me, dude? He wrote some words. Can y'all grow up, please? But this is what's happening. And everyone's acting like they're outraged that this article, op-ed from the New York Times, was violence and it must be stopped. Well, here you can see first, example number one. There's another one. I got it coming. Where the woke maximalism is exiting universities, it is becoming more and more palpable. We can feel it. It is thick. Okay. Look, we had the New York Times hire woke people. We've seen woke media, but now their own employees are trying to shut down the free exchange of thought. The New York Times is famous for hosting uh, offensive opinion pieces. 
They had the Taliban. Nobody complained about that. Well, here comes the woke crowd, just mindlessly droning along like morons walking off a cliff. And I bring you now to my favorite. Check this one out. Slate.com. Nonviolence is an important tool for protests, but so is violence. Is this, this is really funny. Someone wrote, who wrote this CCP? Robbie Suave. I think it was Robbie of, uh, uh, I think he writes for a reason, said something like, is this the dangerous article I'm seeing everyone talk about that's going to get people hurt? Oh no, that was the New York Times, right? I kid you not. This is what you have to look forward to. Leftist publications will say the craziest things and incite and cause damage and real harm. And the opinion of a senator must be shut down. That is true psychosis. I'm sorry, man. Did y'all see the video I just did before this one? They want to disband the police in Minneapolis. Maybe I'll look, I, let, let me let me just tell you what's going on. It's all falling apart. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier who has trouble getting unemployment because the phones are ringing off the hook. You call, they just hang up. There's no one to answer your phone anymore. So if you don't get unemployment, like if your unemployment stops for some reason, the system breaks or whatever, ain't nothing you can do about it. So what? Yeah, people are going to left be left time dry. No food, no money. The media is operating on a, on, a, on a ridiculous double standard that is so insane. It's like a train. The train tracks are being split in different directions. Which way, which way is the train going to go? That's how I feel. Imagine this. You got a train track going straight and you got two sides pushing left and right. You think the fork lying ahead is going to be a left wing turn or a right wing turn, but I'm sorry. It's a single track splitting. There is no fork. It's just going to fall off the tracks and just go crash. That's where we're headed, baby. But I'll show you. I'll show you this. This one I do find funny. Matthew Iglesias, of all people. Here, here, good sir. He said, in response to Shadi Hamid, I was just saying in a slack that I'm going to have to admit I was wrong and the accesses are spreading. I stand by a lot of my criticisms of the anti-PC discourse of five years ago, but I wrongly thought the most egregious accesses of the camp of campus activists would stay on campus when they have instead spread as people age into their roles. And Robbie said, respect. So, so Robbie pops up in this because of this tweet. And I saw he, he commented on the other one. He's over at uh, Reason. Good dude. Uh, much respect, Matthew Iglesias, for owning up to this. Yeah, we're here. And welcome to, uh, welcome to your new reality. Did you guys see the video of the, the black guy running up to the white woman? and then telling her to get on his knees and apologize. And she does. That's the world you have to look forward to. You know why? I showed that video to a lot of my friends. Maybe you didn't see it, but basically he runs up. He's like, I work for Black Lives Matter and you have to get on your knees to apologize to us. And the white woman does. She goes, okay, okay. And he goes, and now apologize. She's like, I'm thinking of the words. And I was talking to a bunch of friends and they were like, oh, she's just, you know, she probably feels silly. She didn't realize she was being tricked. And I was like, excuse me, hold on a second. You think she feels silly? Because a man ran up to her and told her to get on her knees. You think she feels silly. You think she's embarrassed. No, she's probably crying in her apartment right now because a man ran up to her and told her to get on her knees. She didn't get on her knees because she was trying to apologize to Black Lives Matter. She got on her knees because a man told her to do it and she was scared she'd be hurt. I had some friends ask some questions. What if it, what if it was a conservative woman? I'm like, conservative woman would have been armed. <laughs> she'd have been strapped and she'd have been like, excuse me, never going to happen. And that, that, and that says something, man. I wonder, I wonder if this is going to wake people up or if it's going to do something worse, sort of. And what, what I mean by worse is draw the lines, form the ranks. Right now, there are a lot of uninitiated people. Both sides have been desperately trying to activate 
uninitiated people to join their ranks. Antifa spreads propaganda and conservatives make their arguments. The extremists on the right have basically lost, mind you. Steve King, who had some you know, really offensive rhetoric, he's just lost his primary. He's gone because conservatives don't want to play that game and good for them. So the ranks are being bolstered. Perhaps it's a good thing that more people wake up to the culture war right, which tends to believe, and I don't mean necessarily right wing politics. I just mean freedom of speech. I, I guess this is it, right? Left and right have been redefined. I think that woman who was told to get on her knees and things like this, people are finally waking up to the sheer absurdity of what's to come. And I'm telling my friends, I'm like, you see this where they tell you to get on your knees? Like you realize that's in your future, right? You think it's a joke right now? These are people abusing the power. This guy is not in an office or anything, but he knows. This woman was scared for probably two reasons, physically for her safety, but also what would happen if that video went viral of her telling him off? Her job is destroyed. People come for her. She's, she's no longer safe. That's the, that's the fear of what people have when they're being filmed and shocked and scared. And she just did it. I wonder if she went home and cried and then figured out what she had to do to go buy a gun. And I wonder how many people are, are going to go buy guns, man. I'll tell you what, unashamed. I am, I am 2A all the way, man. At this point, from what I have seen, you know, I see these tweets from people calling that the police and the police are like, I can't do anything to help you. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? It's really easy to say we can have reasonable, you know, gun control measures, very simplistic things, maybe a wait period or whatever. It's really easy when everything's safe and you feel good and you're like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm not scared. And then when you see this stuff happening, you're like, nah, I shouldn't have to wait because I'm a law abiding citizen. And now and, and now you start to get it. So I, that's that's that's, you know, right. Oh, right here. I get it, man. That's probably the biggest shift for me. And it's funny because there are people like, uh, you know, you know, louder with Crowder, people like that who have, have been saying all of these things for the longest time. And I wonder what it is that separated the experience I had from them where they recognize it and say, like, I'm getting this, you know, and this is what we need to do. And people like me and liberals who are like, yeah, I'm safe. I'm fine. It's all changing now. It's definitely changing. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Jake Paul has been charged after Scottsdale looting. I kid you not. This guy's a millionaire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the dude's a multimillionaire, right? What are you, why are you going out to these lootings? What is this? He's trespassing. So this story's been going viral for a while. I didn't know if it was real or not because he was wearing a mask, but people are saying like, dude, that's Jake Paul. Like that's Jake Paul coming out of a store. Maybe this dude was just trying to get a thrill. But I tell you this, man, look at this story. New York City looters were dropped off in luxury cars with power tools and suitcases, used stolen U-Hauls for coordinated attacks, as officials across the, UA, uh, the US, USA blame organized crime for the chaos. During the riots, luxury cars were pulling up and rioting. There's one video where like, a guy's sitting on a balcony, and he's like, whoa, that's a Royce, that's a Rolls, baby. Like, what the? And the guy gets out, and the, the guys go run and loot, and it's like, who are these people who have all of this money and are looting? I tell you what, man, it's 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 the thrill, I guess. You know, people who don't need to want to do it because it's fun. It's exciting. Well, it's a bad idea. Jake Paul's getting charged. I don't know what's going to happen, but let's read the story from ABC 15 Arizona. They say Scottsdale social media influencer and YouTuber Jake Paul has been charged by police in Scottsdale for allegedly participating in a week and weekend looting and riots. Police said Thursday, the 23-year-old Jake Joseph Paul was identified as being present among hundreds of tips and videos sent to officials. He reportedly unlawfully entered and remained inside Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall when it was closed. You know what, man? Look, if the dude was just walking around, 
I kind of roll my eyes and I'm like, do you really need to charge the guy? Do you have evidence of him taking things or breaking things? Is he just some some moron who was filming and followed people in? Look, the dude's a media personality and you should not be running around with riots and filming stuff for sure. But there is a challenge to the act of, of journalism. Uh, and I, and I, I'm not going to call Jake Paul a journalist, but if all he did was film stuff, then I think this is a bit over the top. Maybe there's a fine you can give him. Maybe you can ask him to make a statement about it. Well, but, you know, charging him with a crime. Well, let, let's see what they say. Officials say Paul, who has a large following on YouTube, was present after the protest was declared an unlawful assembly and the rioters were ordered to leave the area by police. Paul has been charged with criminal trespassing and unlawful assembly, both misdemeanor charges. However, Paul tweeted Sunday, to be absolutely clear, neither I nor anyone in our group was engaged in any looting or vandalism. He says they were there to film and share our experience and bring more attention to the anger felt in every neighborhood we traveled through. Well, here's, here's the full statement. He says, uh, for context, we spent the day doing our part to peacefully protest one of the most horrific injustices our country has ever seen, which led to us being tear gassed for filming the events and brutality that were unfolding in Arizona. We were gassed and forced to keep moving on foot. We filmed everything we saw in an effort to share our experience and bring more attention to the anger felt in every neighborhood we traveled through. We were strictly documenting, not engaging. I don't I do not condone violence, looting or breaking the law. However, I understand the anger and frustration that led to the destruction we witnessed. And oh, I got I got to open this to get the rest of his his uh, his statement here. So he says, uh, I understand the anger and frustration that led to the destruction we witnessed. And while it's not the answer, it's important that people see it and collectively figure out how we uh, how to move forward in a healthy way. We are all doing the best we can to be helpful and raise awareness this is not the time to attack each other. It's time to join together and evolve. Look, man, I'm not going to pretend to join, you know, that I'm going to be angry with Jake Paul. I'm not going to play stupid games where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm to rag on this guy. How many YouTubers right now are bringing this up and going after him because it's funny, it's fun, and people like ragging on Jake Paul? I don't like the guy, like professionally. I don't know anything about him personally. I mean, maybe he's just a business guy. I, I've heard a lot of controversial things about him. I really don't care. I, I don't watch his channel, but I'll tell you this. While I'm not going to praise what he did following rioters and filming everything because it panders to the baser instincts of shock riot porn, things like that. And I, I know, I know, like here's what it comes down to. I myself have filmed these things. I myself have been on private property filming rioters, and I would rather have the footage. So I don't like the idea that they're going to charge him for trespass if he was just there to document things. He is a media personality. So if you want to argue that his whole shtick is entertainment stuff, by all means, that's what I'll criticize him for. But I'd rather have footage of what people are doing than not, right? I mean, look, if some of the footage he has ultimately helps people in some capacity because we know what was going on, whatever that capacity may be, it's a good thing. I like journalism. I like giving the, the public the ability to know what's happening. So while the guy deserves criticism for sure. I think we're playing a, 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 a it's a slippery slope here. They say, uh, you know, he's got more than 20 million subs on May 30th. Crowds gathered all around the mall area, breaking into stores. When asked if any other members of Paul's team who were with him at the time uh, were also facing charges, a spokesperson for the police said not this, not at this time. You know what I think, man? I think he's famous and a lot of people don't like things that he's done. And so hating on him becomes its own kind of content. You know, you know, take a swing at the big dogs. Let's criticize him for everything. But if dude, it, it, look, I don't know what he was doing. I'm not going to pretend to know. And if he was looting and vandalizing, by all means, he should be charged. Me personally, if the dude is there to film, 
I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with that. I am. As long as he isn't egging anybody on, inciting, if he's just standing back and filming, that's fine. I, I really do think so. I, maybe that's controversial. Maybe people get mad at me for it. But I like the act of journalism. I like people having the ability to see what's happening all around them. So this isn't the same case uh, uh, as, you know, what happened with New York City's looters. This is organized crime and people breaking into things. But let me tell you something. These are, these are opportunists. This is very, very different from what Jake Paul would even have been doing. Let's say Jake's whole shtick was like, I'm going to get a great episode about this. Yeah, well, I roll. But look, man, the press does this. Jake Paul is not special. You know, if you want to rag on Jake Paul because you know he's going to make YouTube shot content out of the riots, let me just tell you something about the media. They all do the exact same thing. That's why CNN is praising this. So please, given the same criticism you give to the mainstream media, that's totally fair. And if you think the mainstream media shouldn't be entering the private property in these in these businesses, that's fair too. That's fair too. You know, uh, I, I haven't seen, you know, we're right now hearing that press freedom's under attack and all these journalists are being attack, attacked. And I think there's, there's, there's a really great op-ed by some journalists talking about defending the act of journalism because of the day and age we live in. What that means is if some random person just starts filming some activity by the police, the action of journalism needs, needs to be protected. They may not be a professional journalist, but they're allowed to film and be where they are. The difference with that analogy is that Jake Paul was trespassing in a, in a, in a, a mall after someone broke in or whatever. But it's like, it's, it's, I really just think it's a, it's a PR move. Now, let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me wrap up on this because I, I got one more story for you. We can see these, these wealthy people, organized crime, doing all this looting across New York City. Let me tell you, that's the real problem. Not Jake Paul. The luxury people pulling up are not YouTube celebrities who want to get video clips. It's stories like this. 50 ATMs blown up around Philadelphia during violent unrest. Please complain about this. You know what? You know, that's what I'm trying to say, man. I get it. If you want to criticize Jake Paul, why does he get all the attention when meanwhile in I'm in the suburbs of Philly, there were explosions all throughout the night. Why organized crime going around, blowing up ATMs, stealing the cash out of them? All right. I wish stories like this got more attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some celebrity was wandering on a, around a mall and filming. Sure, 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 sure. I'm seeing everybody tweet about this. And I don't want to play some silly game. Look, the news is being covered. You know, NBC Philadelphia is covering the story. But it's just about what gets at people's attention. So, so to be honest, look at me doing this video. Like, this is the point. I know that if I talk about just the ATMs and talk about the civil unrest and the organized crime— people will be less interested. It's, it's kind of stupid, isn't it? I could make the video and then no one hears about these stories. I do think it is, you know, fair to talk about Jake Paul and what's going on. 100% that story should be covered. But I want to now use that opportunity to segue into things we should be paying attention to. The opportunistic organized crime infiltrating, you know, these moments, the, these protests, these riots for, for, for financial gain. So yes, both of these stories have merit. I know full well the Jake Paul story is probably more interesting to people. It's fair to say it is. And I think it's fair for you to be interested in it because Jake Paul is a celebrity. But I wish people cared more about their communities to protect them, to call out the violence and stop acting like all of these riots are noble heroes. Jake Paul's no hero. He's a dude who wanted to film a video for YouTube. But more importantly, the riots are being used as cover for things like this. Look at this. A 25-year-old who's accused of selling homemade dynamite on the streets with instructions on how to use it on ATMs has been arrested, though authorities aren't yet sure whether the man is connected to the coordinated effort, the state's attorney general said. 
Explosions hit 50 cash machines in and near Philadelphia since the weekend. And one man has died. So come on, come on. We got to be honest about what all these stories are. But here's the ultimate problem you can take away with this. The reason why some people, some people will hear about what's going on with the riots and they'll only hear about it because of Jake Paul. I kind of feel like that's a good thing that they know what's going on. So now I would just say to Jake Paul, like, talk about the legit stories. That's your opportunity. You got a big audience. I know I do too on certain issues. Jake, you got a bigger audience than I do. So I think it's silly to be mad at the guy if, if all he did was walk around filming. And if he has an opportunity now to point out that organized crime and like basically, you know, people are making improvised dynamite, like this is the opportunity now to use a large platform to let people know these are the things that are impacting our communities that need to be called out. Otherwise, people get a biased view of what's really happening. But look, man, I think they say everybody has a responsibility to spread the right message, but everybody has a different idea of what the right message is. You might disagree with me. Feel free to do so. Comment below. Let me know what you think. I don't think I have all the answers. But this stuff's getting crazy out there, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you all next time.